Hi, I'm Megan Skidmore, and this is the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts, not only in a faith journey, but in all aspects of life. Join me in bringing this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I'm a firm believer that we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with questions and doubts. When we're more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. Welcome to part two of my interview with Andrea Giles. In today's episode, she candidly shares how the decision to leave her first marriage was probably the hardest thing she's ever done. And that for the very people that teach agency, her leaders, to not honor the decision to cancel her temple ceiling felt so dismissive. If you haven't already, make sure to listen to the first half, episode 67. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this or any episode. Shoot me an email at hello at meganskin.com morecoaching.com. How does one, like you work with others who are perhaps faced with a similar choice? Yes, I do. And how does one, I, I don't know the right word to use, come back from or recover, you know, our faith communities are or like a a home, we could say for many, especially if that's all you knew your entire life. Yep. And at the heart of it, most that I know don't really want to leave. If that's the case, there's usually a pretty darn good reason. And it often um, has to do with a lot of hurt, a lot of uh, misunderstanding or um, not, not feeling seen, I guess. Yep. But you um, have, you know, you you went ahead and married your second husband and you have a large, bustling, blooming, energetic family life. So how does one come back from that experience, Mm -hmm. which, like you said, was crushing, absolutely crushing to feel like I would be second, how did you say, second rate or second for eternity? Mm -hmm. And that what I had to say wasn't enough. How do you, you know, you put know, one step in front of the other forward? Yeah. So really, I will just be so honest with you here. Where I'm at right now uh-huh. with with all the things, just all the things I've I've really in the past year or so given myself permission to really look at everything and ch- challenge everything, question everything and go like run it through the filter of what do I think? Not what does so-and-so think? Not what the, this person thinks. Andrea, what do you think? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's been a really beautiful experience to learn my own mind, actually, to really step into becoming a more critical thinker and really looking at what I think. And for me, in the past, it's been about a year since things have really cracked open in my uh-huh. in my faith journey. Uh-huh. And what it has meant to me is this beautiful space of being more honest, more like in a true pursuit of truth, like truly pursuing truth and truly pursuing what it looks like for me, 
to live in full integrity with my own values, with my own views. Um, and you know, I'm still in it. I'm not going to lie. I'm still navigating. I'm well, still I think, navigating. I think we all are right. Yeah. Yes. Every day brings new insider information or experience. Um, yes. The living we're truly living beings on not just a physical level, but an emotional, physical, mental, spiritual. Yes. Right? Yep. Yep. I, I actually just this past Sunday went, went to church and had an experience where I just felt this peace that Andrea, you're in the messy middle and it's okay. It's okay. It's not a problem because I definitely have had moments of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Am I for real in really questioning all these things that I've always just taken for granted? Mm -hmm. All these things that I've just bought, right? Like, whoa, am I for real? Like, what are you doing? Are you blowing up your life? Mm -hmm. Are you, you know, there's a lot at stake here. And I felt just this piece that you're, you're right on on track. This is, I have felt over and over and over again, Andrea, this is really important for your progression. This is, it's important. It's, it's crucial for your progress. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And so I keep going. And part of it has been holding on to the things that I, that are true, like holding on to the things that I really do align with and being willing to loosen my grip on the things that don't and just owning it, that it's okay. I, I remember some of those first moments where I really was presented with this option to learn to not just what I think, but to, to trust it and to really lean into my own wisdom. I had to read, I, I knew what personal revelation was, right? Yeah. I grew up experiencing uh, the way that I understood it to be, um, you know, however you want to refer to that when we commune with the divine, right. And we feel the divine in our lives guiding us. And I had to tap into that when I started this journey, because up to that point, I had been able to look at um, materials or guidance or handbooks or talks and whatnot on how to navigate uh, my my religious slash faith journey but I was unequivocally faced with um, situations that there there were no there were no paragraphs written about um, and especially because it was specifically about my situation with my kiddo you know I remember trying to figure out what do I do, you know, for those that are of LDS faith, we have this pamphlet called the For Strength of Youth pamphlet. And I still wanted to instill strong values and, and morals, right? Yep. But how do you navigate when, you know, a booklet says no relationships until a certain age with someone of the opposite sex, right? Yes. It did not apply to my yep. situation. Yep. A lot of it didn't. And so it was an instant, immediate kind of baptism by fire in learning even more what it meant to trust my own intuition, my inner wisdom, that inner voice, that connection with the divine personal revelation, and to believe that it really existed. I think we talk about it a lot, but it's more to the tune of 
as long as it aligns with XYZ. Yes. Versus your personal guidance, your personal whisperings from God are, are for you. Yes. And I feel like I'm closer to the divine than I ever have been in my life previous till now. And it doesn't look like something that fits inside of a box. Yes. Or that that interesting, a lot of of check marks next to it or is in a handbook. Right. Yep. And that can be, that can be kind of scary. Indeed. So I bring that up because that's what I hear you saying you had to do a lot of that learning to trust yourself yep learning to listen to your own thoughts really and and believing them yep so i'm i'm in a quandary right now you know i kind of have my general questions that i ask i use the more of a guideline a framework from which to use as a jumping off point for my podcast interviews and one of my next questions is about cultivating and fostering open communication. And I truly believe this, that I don't think it's just a nice thing to do. I think it's essential to do. I don't think there's any other way to navigate these messy spaces. And I'm checking myself as I'm listening to you share your lived experience. And I'm, I'm feeling pain on your behalf. I'm, uh, there's a part of me that's, that's angry that you, um, and by extension, those with whom you work, your clients, the, they're faced with these harrowing choices. I mean, it truly doesn't make sense to me. I don't have any answers, but in a spirit of putting my money where my mouth is, I'm I'm vocalizing that. And that I think this is where it's so important to talk about these things with one another and to get rid of the fear and the shame of getting ousted from the group in a physical way, or maybe in a, in a social or emotional way, whatever that might look like. Right. But the fear is real. I will. Can I add something here? Absolutely. I think too, that, that part of what has been so hard for me personally, is that one of the core tenets of our faith is about agency that, that we get Mm -hmm. to choose. And what I have learned is especially in the example around the temple ceiling is I, I got, I had my choice taken from me. I didn't get to choose. I didn't get to choose. It wasn't a true Uh, choice. It wasn't a true choice. I made my choice and they, they did not back up my choice. And really it's my life, right? It's my eternity. It's my, my life. And to have people who don't know me, who don't know what my marriage was and the heartbreak that I experienced and how hard it was for me to even arrive at the decision to leave. It was hands down, probably the hardest thing I'll ever do. And for them to, it felt so dismissive of, you know, we don't quite believe you and to have, to not be able to choose. Um, it, 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 the irony in it, right. Of being in a church that professes agency above all, you know, to be able to choose that we fought for it, that we fought to have agency, and then to have the very people that teach that not honor it. And yeah, it's been, it's been a challenge. It's been really painful. And one of the things that you said something earlier about 
looking at how close you feel to God and I that how interesting it is that it's not based on all the checklists that you mm -hmm. maybe lived by prior to your faith journey. And same for me. Like it's so fascinating to really feel so strongly, Andrea, keep going. This is really, really important. Keep going, keep going. And to have it look different than what I've been prescribed as the right path, right? It's very, it's very uncomfortable sometimes. It's very uncomfortable. Like, wait a minute, how is this okay? But when I look at my, my heart and my real experience, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. And I have felt that confirmed again and again, that this is part of my progression. Yeah. Keep going. I think that's a key way. The only way really to continue moving forward. There's no question in my mind when I feel aligned in something in how to move forward. When I have pondered it, when I have looked at, tried to look at all sides, the best yep. to my mortal ability and, um, weighed pros and cons, and then move forward the best I know how. And another thing I've noticed in the Megan post 2019 is I'm, I'm much more forgiving about myself just because I make a choice doesn't mean that's the end all be all right. I think we're so afraid sometimes to move forward in making a choice because again, there's that fear that it will be the wrong choice. I've since changed my shifted my view on that. I, I believe Choices just teach us. We learn what's working and then maybe what doesn't quite serve us so well. I I just, I hear you so loud and clearly on this experience, how dismissed you felt when you were trying, you, you made a choice and yet that choice because of policies, because of leaders making decisions, your free agency was essentially taken from you and to feel dismissed by that. And I sensed an even deeper layer there, like they couldn't even see that that was what was going on for you. How soul crushing, right? It was hard enough to come in the first place and to come to that decision yep. of what to do with a temple ceiling, something you did not take lightly, yep. but then to have your choice essentially be taken from you and to have those around you not even be aware that that's in fact what was happening. Yep. It struck me as you were sharing, I think that's what's happening often with our LGBTQ plus siblings is mm -hmm. there's some blinders on to how certain policies or choices of leaders or that kind of thing is affecting real people in a very, very real way. Yep. And it's not, it's seen by some, probably those that are smack in the middle of it. But similar to your leaders regarding your decision about having your ceiling canceled, right? Um, leaders who there are certain policies in place regarding LGBTQ plus folks, they're not able to see how those are truly, again, it's not a blanket statement. I'm not saying that there aren't leaders out there who aren't trying to be loving as, as you know, or compassionate as much as they're able to, but I still think there is a fair amount of um, blinders on that, you know. Yep. Yep. I can tell you, you know, I have, I have extended family members, nieces, nephews, different people who are LGBTQ plus, and I love them. 
and I care about them, but there's nothing like having it be your own child Mm -hmm. to go, oh my gosh, I better know what I am talking about here. Yeah. And I remember the moment, like when I, when the reality hit in my brain of that cognitive dissonance of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And, and so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable of going, I can't say that to her. I can't say those words. I, I yes. can't. And that's, it's, it's very different when it is your child, you know, and even, even in my first marriage, it was, it was hard for many years and I stayed and I gave it everything I had. And it wasn't until it really came to a head, particularly with one of my children, where I'm like, I just realized in a moment, this is no longer a safe place for any of us. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I knew I needed to go. And mm-hmm. it kind of, it's interesting to see that pattern in myself of going, you know, I can, I can go along and, and try to be understanding and give the benefit of the doubt and all of that. But when it came to my own kid and, oh, it's a, it's a very different experience. Yeah. And the same old answers just don't don't land anymore for me. And I feel a responsibility to educate myself and really understand for myself what I believe so that I don't do harm to this child that I adore. Yes. I feel that so, so much. Uh, It's as close as you can come, I believe, to it happening to you personally. Yeah. without it actually happening to you personally when it's your child. I agree. And this pulling that you're you're talking about, you know, I remember I just couldn't say the words that you know, I knew would hurt. It's the closest I have felt. I it's the the I've used this before. I don't know any other way to describe it. It's like my soul is being ripped apart from the inside having to choose between well, the thought of having to choose between two things that are so very dear to you. But one of the most beautiful things about coaching that I learned is you can take a step back and look at your beliefs and re-examine them and decide what you really and truly feel about them, what you think about them, what about them makes sense to you, what about them you have questions about. And even if you decide to believe that belief all over again, the process of going through that, the change that happens, the empowerment that happens is you can't get it any other way. Yeah. Yep. Learning what a belief is, that it's a thought, and you know this as a coach, that we've thought so many times over and over again, that it's one of those pathways that's deeply ingrained in our brain. And it feels true because we believe it. Of course, when it comes to faith beliefs, it's, I do believe in this mind and heart connection, but I don't think we should undermine what both are yes. are speaking to us, yep. sometimes screaming to us. So yep, I agree. Yeah. I talk about that. I think it's in one of my very first episodes, the anatomy of a belief. That's one of the most liberating concepts to, yeah, um, I to agree. embody. Yeah. Yeah. So I get a lot of questions or, or I, I hear this concept of safe spaces talked about 
frequently in our communities, whether it's civic or faith or family or whatever. Can you share what has worked for you or what do you do to create safe spaces and what does it mean to you? Yeah, it's both in my business and in my home. Uh-huh. What a safe space means to me is that people in that space are willing to hear you, even if they don't necessarily agree, even if they don't understand that you will be believed that that is your experience yeah. and not judged for it because we're so quick to judge what we don't understand, right? We're so quick to judge what we like, well, I have no experience with that. And that sounds like this to me. So I'm just going to assume, right? Yeah. A safe place is where we drop all assumptions and really listen and, Mm -hmm. and hear people's lived experience and believe them. Yes. Believe what they're saying. Even if we have no no understanding of it ourselves, believe them that that is their experience. I think that is so important as well. And I do think the default response is often, well, that's not what I've seen or I've experienced yes. Or, yes. or been told or taught. Therefore, no, Yep. you must be incorrect. And exactly. Yeah. Yep. The definition of invalidating responses. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. That's, that's at the heart of it drop assumptions and just listen. Yep. Yeah. Well, anything else that comes to mind that you'd like to leave with? Um, yeah, I have some, something that is, is coming to mind is okay. So part of my work that, that comes up a lot is helping my clients make sense of things that don't make sense to their minds. Like how can this person who I love have hurt me so deeply? How could this person that I love have made these choices that were so not in character for them Mm -hmm. and so hurtful to me. And one of the things that I help my clients do is like most of us, they have come through life with very black and white thinking and very either you're good or you're bad, you're right or you're wrong, you're this or you're that, right? And one of the, the things that I help them grow their capacity to hold is nuance being able to hold that there can be two things that you hold at the same time that are both true. And in regards to Mm. the faith journey, I think it's a a parallel that, that we, we've been taught. So it's this way, right? This is the Uh way, the only way, the one way. And I think that it is maturity and growth to be able to learn to hold two truths at the same time. Even if they are seemingly contradictory. Yes. Even if, yes, two contradictory truths, like to the infidelity piece, it's this person really betrayed my trust, like to the core in the most painful way that they could have. And they're still good. And this person is still good. And for my clients to be able to arrive there is very powerful. It's very empowering. Because they're not making a reactive decision. They're not, you're, you're awful. I need to get away from you. You know, they're Mm -hmm. really raising their consciousness, raising their, their understanding of really being able to look at the data, the data of the situation and go, is this a wise place for me to stay based on the data, right? Based on the data. And in, in the matters of faith that we're talking about, I can say for me that part of my growth has been the exact same thing 
of going, how can something that has brought me peace and joy now hurt so bad? Like, how can that both exist? And my brain, of course, is just like everybody else's. And well, I guess I need to go, or I guess I need, you know, or no, jump back in, jump back in and go all in, right? My brain wants to just be one way or the other, right? But I, yes, either or, but I think that real spiritual and emotional maturity is actually being able to hold both and using a higher consciousness, like values, like integrity to lead the way forward. Yes. Holding that tension is a skill. It is a skill. It is a skill. It doesn't come naturally, especially when we're not really taught to do it or, and I don't, I don't mean that necessarily just in our own faith. I think in many ways, society Oh yeah. Large. Yes. I think our brains are really, our brains want certainty because it's, it doesn't hurt, hurt our brain so much to try to think through things. If we just know and don't have to think about it. Right. So I think it's a human thing, just a brain thing. Yeah. Yes. Such a, such a great analogy. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, We've probably touched on this throughout the course of our conversation, but the last question I like to ask my guests is what does it mean to you to live beyond the shadow of doubt? Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean to me? Gosh, I think for me, it is, it means actually making room for the shadows and that, that I don't have to be totally free from doubt. I don't have to be completely completely outside of doubt that I can learn what it means to me is pulling up a seat next to me and saying, tell me about it. What is what's going on? What is this? Let's understand this. And I Mm -hmm. think that in in welcoming and pulling up a chair and asking ourselves questions with curiosity and with open arms and without pushing it away because of our own fear, I think that's how we get through those doubts. I think that's how we arrive to the other side of them and make space for them without them being quite so threatening. So I guess I I think that the goal isn't to be doubt-free, to be beyond it. I think the goal is to grow our relationship to doubt. Yeah, I love that. I love hearing my guests' responses to that question because it is such a thought-provoking question. It's kind of an uncomfortable one at first. You really have to think about it. (laughs) Yes. I love your answer though. Pulling up a seat, making room for the doubts and for the shadows, sorry. And uh, saying, tell me about it. Thank you. Spoken like a true life coach. (laughs) (laughs) So just um, a few more for fun questions. I didn't tell you about these. I throw them out at the end so we can get to know you a little bit better just one or two word responses is all I'm looking for okay tell us your favorite book Jane Eyre (laughs) no hesitation I love it it's so good I love it are you an introvert or an extrovert um you know right right in the middle is fine too I'm kind of in the middle I love people I love being around people but I always have to have a recovery time (laughs) me too yep I'm an introverted extrovert yes yeah I I've heard that one before. Yeah. Good yep. one. Who was your favorite artist? My favorite artist. Oh my goodness. Oh, I have to think about that one. Do I have a favorite artist? Um, at the moment, my mother, and I'll tell oh. you why, because my mom 
who is almost 70, decided to take up watercolor. She's never painted in her life. Oh my goodness, I love that. And she's decided to take it up and she's actually very good. Like her instructors, like well, you need to you need to get these in a fair, sell these paintings. Has she's she trained a, any, do you have yeah, any frames yes. on your wall? Oh I have goodness. one in my bedroom that she oh. gave me for my birthday framed and it's beautiful. It's oh, beautiful. See it. That's fun. I'll have to send you a picture of it. Yeah, it's do. so beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Do you consider yourself a night owl or a morning lark? Um, neither. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a morning lark. I've never been a night owl ever. Not in college. Never. Just nope. Put me to bed. I used to be a, a morning person. And as the years have gone by and I've had more children, and I mentioned earlier that I had a, a very big surprise. My baby was born <laughs> at 44. I was 44 when she was born. I'm now 46 and yeah. I'm just tired. I'm yeah. just tired. So if I can catch a few extra minutes of sleep, I'm going to take it. I, I would too. Yep. Yeah. No harm in that. Yep. Uh, do you have a celebrity crush? Well, I like Hugh Jackman. <gasps> That's a fun I, one. I got to see him in Music Man and I was on like the third row. Oh my And God. it was something else to see him. Did you feel his sweat? <laughs> oh my gosh. He was so close. And then you turn around and right behind me was Donny Osmond. <laughs> right behind me. In the audience? Yes. He was there to watch the show. Oh, and really? afterwards I, I got to shake his hand and he was very generous, very nice, kind man. What a cool but experience. It was awesome. But yes, Hugh Jackman. His, I like Hugh Hugh's Jackman. best friend is my celebrity crush. Oh, who's this? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. That's a good anyway, choice. Also a good choice. That's a, yeah. <laughs> I anyway, love it. Do you do still or carbonated water or diet soda? All of the above. All of the above. And usually um, oh. I'm showing, you know, for those of you listening, I have my sparkling water. I have like a little flavored one. I always have multiple beverages on my desk for whatever sip I need next. I'm, I'm kind of the same. Yes. Are you? My Stanley. Yep. Ray. Yep. My, with my caffeinated crystal light in it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, when I have a soda, it's usually Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the last question, tell us the furthest place you've traveled. The furthest place, gosh, um, Europe. I have been there several times. I went for the first time as a foreign exchange student when I was 17 and my parents were really, really broke, but I, I had the opportunity to go. And so I worked my tail off and made it happen. And I went and lived with the German family just for a month, but I went to the German schools and that is fantastic. And I've since I've lived there. My first husband got a master's degree from Oxford. So we lived, we lived in Oxford for a year. Um, I actually was in France in June. So I, I love Europe, but yes, yes that is the furthest I've gone. Uh, I love it. Well, before we close, can you feel free to share where our listeners can connect with you and any offers you may have for them? Yep. You bet. So you can find my podcast. It's called heal from infidelity. Mm -hmm. And even if you've not experienced infidelity, many people have experienced betrayals of one form or another, and mm -hmm. there's valuable content there for those things. Um, mm -hmm. My website's andreagiles.com. I have uh, Instagram, the infidelity coach. As far as offers go, funny question, I actually just this week 
am introducing a new offer. <laughs> so I have a group program that I've been running for okay. quite a while and I'm just changing it up a little bit. So yeah, doors are opening probably at the time that this recording goes out, my, the doors will be open to it. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. I'll leave links for all of those in the show notes. Awesome. Andrea, thank you so much for making time out of your busy family and business schedule. I have loved every minute of chatting with you today as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been and a joy. Thank you. Thank you for being an open book and sharing yep. your story. You will bless many lives of that. Thank I'm you. Sure. Thank you. Thanks so much. August of 2023 marks the one-year anniversary of Beyond the Shadow of Doubt, and simultaneously we hit 5,000 downloads. My genuine thanks. I ask you a favor, and that is to subscribe if you have not, share a favorite episode with a friend, and most importantly, take two minutes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Help me reach my goal of 10,000 downloads by the end of 2023. Come join me in Hopeful Spaces, a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, which is sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. Hopeful Spaces is a monthly parent, caregiver, and ally support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. To join is free. Simply send an email to chc at dallashopecharities.org. Visit MeganSkidmoreCoaching.com where you can find this podcast as well as additional free resources. Check the podcast show notes on any platform for links to sources cited. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more and to send me a DM. To help the podcast grow, please follow, rate, and review as well as share it with a friend. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is a part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast network. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. Thanks for being here. Until next time.